0: Bidding a fond farewell after a good stretch this week. Welcome to... Handle. gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of Hand of Pod, don't worry, we're not going anywhere, we're, this is not the last episode, we're bidding a fond farewell after a good spelling charge, according to the man himself from Edgardo um, who says that he had a good time managing the national team, which seems barely credible, frankly, uh, given how much he appeared to be enjoying himself for most of it and certainly how much everybody enjoyed uh, watching his Argentina, but he is no longer the manager of the Argentine national team, and that will be the main subject of our chat this uh, I was about to say month, but I mean week. We remain a weekly podcast. Um, so we're going to start off with that. In fact, what, as opposed to uh, talking about the league, we'll get on to the league in the second half of the pod. Vals um, is out. It was confirmed on Monday night and then announced officially. Uh, in a slightly bizarre press conference um, yesterday evening Tuesday evening um, a press conference which was announced for 7.30 and then re-announced for 8.30 once all the journalists had already got down to ESEISA at quite some considerable inconvenience because it's in the middle of nowhere um, and then eventually started at 9 o'clock did either of you bother watching it? We were all just watching the Libertadores I would assume yeah well I think it was on purpose
1: to to Finally, made the, the, comf- the press conference at 9 because I was on the Seder Pesach uh, dinner, uh, oh, the yeah. Jewish uh, Easter, so I couldn't uh, catch it. It's, I think it's on purpose. They didn't want me to watch it, and uh, I couldn't. I, but I imagine how it was. I can. I can. Well, I think, like you
2: said, anyway, it was b- fairly bizarre because it, the, the decision was made, everyone knew what was happening there wasn't anything else to add it wasn't as if they were adding and we've also got the replacement so it's sort of a fairly humiliating experience for bowser to have to sit down yeah um, and face the media after the week of speculation and then the day before it even being confirmed already by the afa and um bowser's agent
0: although he didn't have to answer any questions from the press which was uh a source of some ire on my Twitter timeline. At least a lot of people were quite pissed off. I mean, to go all the way down there, being made to wait an hour and a half longer than they were expecting, and then also not being allowed to ask any questions. Um, this is the new AfA, same as the old AfA, as we already said a week or two ago. Um, but if it's, if, it, the, if it was
1: announced as a press conference, there, no way there uh, they can't do that. Uh, how come they don't they don't uh, uh, let Journalists ask questions when they say If not, they say we will read a, a, a statement or something like that, and this is it, and don't come because there won't be any. Or well, the, the cameras should be there to uh, for people to watch to the moment uh, in which Bausa says, "I, I am not longer the coach of Argentina. I, I was great to to be with this team and well, with something that uh, you say it's amicable Im- because uh, he didn't want to say goodbye. He didn't want to be sacked, uh, and the team played awfully with him, so it's something really, yeah, really not to believe it.
0: And yet, he seemed fairly cordial. I mean, he thanked everybody. He, he thanked his family. He thanked the president of São Paulo for allowing him to take the job. He thanked Armando Perez for offering him the job. He thanked Chiqui Tapia for being very honest and upfront in their talks when it eventually came to be the time to sack him. Um, and he thanked the journalists, saying that uh, there are no right or wrong answers. Um, and, you know, you, you guys were uh, asking questions because you wanted um, a certain thing for the team, and it's what we all want, which is to win. And I think that that was sort of healthy, uh, a healthy thing to, to remember in what can be a very fractious situation often. We experienced some of it, Pizza, on um after the Brazil game in the press conference. Mm-hmm. Not sorry, the Brazil game, the Chile um, game, thank you. Um in the press conference there. Um that it wasn't always a friendly sort of atmosphere, and so it was nice of him to say, you know, actually I, I don't told this personally against any of you. But it was a bit weird. It sort of it started to get a bit Oscar acceptance speechy after a while. Slightly not very much Bowser, you know, the, the sort of slightly on edge and I'm um, the big man. And he never really got the chance to be the big man.
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of got the impression, like after the Chile game, that he kind of played the game a bit with the media anyway. And sort of, he knew what he was saying and it wasn't necessarily what he thought. And potentially there was saying, oh, thanks everyone. Thanks to Ch- Claudio Tapia. Thanks to the journalist. It might not necessarily be what he thinks, but, mm. you know, it's... It, <clears throat> It's an easy, then he can slip off now, like his agent said, and look for some new offers um, without any further scandal. If he, if he had sat there and yeah. made a statement along the lines of, you know, I've been hounded out, blah blah, <laughs> blah it would have rolled on and on and on, and this way he can go.
0: Plus he's got $2 million in his pocket, or he's going to have $2 million in his pocket if they have to ever get around to paying him what they've promised him, because of course, Gerardo Mantino's. Um, staff and and I think Gerardo Martino as well as still owed a fair sum of money themselves. Um, some of whom are suing the AFA for it now. Um, how on earth did that happen? He was supposed to be paid nine hundred thousand. No the remaining months on the contract. But he he demanded AFA to
1: uh, Bausa demanded AFA uh, for to pay him the the amount of money to win the World Cup, which is or to qualify, to qualify the World yeah, Cup, yeah. which is for four
0: hundred and five thousand dollars yeah hundred and fifty thousand dollars yes, yes. yes um, yeah, and, there, were yeah there was about another where bonus they were as well he basically i think he sort of said yeah well I, the bonuses that you promised me if i managed x and y and Z am yeah. never going to get the chance to try now so can you which i think was a little bit cheeky but at the same time they after were also clearly desperate to get rid of him yeah. Um, and it, it's a good thing in this situation that the AFA aren't going after um, a replacement who's going to be cripplingly expensive no?
2: Yeah well I mean it, it could be more expensive um.
0: It could indeed if, if they did what the president of Sevilla presumably would quite you know, not mind quite as much if they did do it which would be to approach Jorge Sampaoli all above the table right now Um, It will come as no surprise to most of our listeners uh, that Jorge Sampaoli is the number one priority to replace Edgardo Balsa. He's, in fact, really the only um, option on the table for Claudio Tapia and Daniel Angelisi, the the president and the... Angelisi's first vice-president, isn't he, Um, of the AFA. Um, And to that end, a group from... I think it's Tapia and Tinelli, Tinelli isn't yeah. it? Uh, in Seville now or on their way to Seville right now um, to meet with San Sampaoli, which is much to the consternation of the Sevilla president whose name I've forgotten. Do we know? Him? Yeah. Seems very disrespectful not to say his name. Let me check. His name is...
1: Rojas or Campos something like
0: that Jose Castro Carmona apparently oh, um, no that's not the one I read <laughs> no, no uh, according to Wikipedia yeah. he's the. no in the article
2: that I read the guy that was the guy that was quoted as sort of saying we've had no official approach was something else but I can't remember i any
0: tell right um yeah, I'm looking through the other possibles and none of them uh, seem at all familiar. Um, but anyway, let's see. Oh, uh, let's have a look at what uh, this. Oh, Jose Castro. Yeah, that, that's the the name yeah, apparently. Yeah, that's all I remember. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, so he he would much rather. Um, Sam Pauli was probably what well, I assume he would much rather. Sam Pauli was approached right now because if that happens, as we discussed a week or two ago. Uh, as English Dan explained to us, um, the offer would have to pay Sevilla in the region of 7.5 million euros. I think that's right, isn't it? And if they do it after the... Is it 31st of March or 30th of June or something? Uh, once the Spanish season is over, at any rate, uh, that fee will go down to 1.5 million euros. Sevilla issued a... Um, press release today saying they'd written to the AFA and communicated to them in the strongest terms that this wasn't really on and that they, they wouldn't accept uh, any meeting between San and and AFA. They considered it to be horrendous and, and bad and wrong and all the rest of it. Um, which sort of makes you think well you did put the clause into the contract because you knew something like this might happen. Admittedly maybe not with Argentina. I'm sure that when Argentina appointed Edgardo Balsa. Um, after failing to get Pauli first time round, Sevilla so probably thought, well, OK, hopefully Bowser does a good job and we don't have to let Sampaoli go before his contract's up in 2018. Um, but they knew that he was going to attract interest from other national teams. They knew that he was going to attract interest from clubs like Barcelona um, uh, if, if the season went as well as it has done. Um, and so to now be sort of up in arms and saying, well they might actually meet this clause that we put into the contract to take him off us. So it's a bit like, well, you put it there, though, didn't you? Well, sometimes
1: they, I think they include these clauses in the contract uh, just to prevent for for Argentina to go and just get Sapaoli or, for example, same situation like uh, Simeone with Atletico Madrid. That uh, I think that when Martino re- uh, re- resigned, they, they included the clause of... Or made Simeone uh, sign a clause uh, that would uh, oblige a- any club or, or national team, Argentina national team, to pay this sum of money. I don't know for Simeone how much it is, but uh, not to, to, to at least to get the coach for free. But I think that they don't want San to live, but yes. But on the other hand, if you include the clause, it, that means that if they put the money, you have to release him. That's the, the, of course, that's the obvious uh, uh, thing, but, well...
0: Uh, Absolutely. Um, I I don't want it to seem as if uh, the last thing that I said was meaning that I'm fully on the side of the AFA, fully against Sevilla in all of this, of course, because to suggest that the AFA are doing everything completely above board, uh, I suspect, allegedly, would be uh, inaccurate. Um, They're quite clearly looking to meet San this week, and yet not actually offering the contract until after the date, that's the cut off for the seven and a half million euro dropping to the one and a half million euro um, release. Uh, So that um, sort of complicates things somewhat, as sort of you wonder as well whether um, San Paulo's character, to an extent, might do. There are certainly more than a few chilly fans, I suspect, who would have something to say about Sampaoli's record for respecting contracts allegedly or so I understand from Twitter Um, and you suspect that a few Sevilla fans are going to be slightly less pleased with him than anything I mean from his point of view it must be a little bit frustrating the timing of it as well though I'm sure that there's a part of him that would love to to stay with Sevilla and to see whether he can build on the success of this year um, and to actually try and create something and yet he's got the enormous emotional appeal of uh, pull uh, sort of, of of potentially still because nothing's set in stone just yet of, of having his um, his own country offer them the national
2: team job so yeah and, and the thing about it's not, not just any national team job as well I mean if you take the AFA mess out of the equation mm. the Argentina national team job should be one of the most attractive coaching jobs in the world I mean when you look at who you could work with Yeah, the AFA in the past have obviously made that they've balanced that <laughs> balanced the scales with a lot of managers thinking well you can keep Messi because I don't want any part of that um, but it's a it's a big temptation for someone like Zampaoli uh,
1: yeah. uh, there is like a magnet for for uh, Argentinian coaches uh, for the mm-hmm. national team because of the t-shirt independently of the chaos that there is at AFA in terms of the organization, because, and, and I think that this is another uh, attractive point, because for a coach that uh, makes Argentina like, the way they are playing and in the position that uh, they are in the table, in the playoff position, make to make them qualify directly straight away to the World Cup uh, with all these things that has has been uh, happening at the. With the with the players, with the AFA, with the president, with everything, uh, it's something more. It's a, uh, it's even more attractive for a, for a coach and for an Argentinian coach to to do this. Because uh, when there is a problem, you if you find this, the solution, you you finally are successful. Uh, well, uh, it is like a, a jump of quality for them. Uh, when th- when things are okay and everything is at ease and quiet. Uh, well, if if things would be like that, uh, perhaps Sampoli would be right now being looked by 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 Tapia and Rafa for to be the goal because uh, it would mean would have meant that Bausa are is uh, good with the team with the players and Argentina is in, the, in a better position to, to qualify. Uh, so it's really hard to understand or to, to, to explain why with this chaos are, are coaches like Sampaoli that are that will die for, for Argentina to, to be the coach of, of Messi even though that we don't know whether when he said that he would like to, to be Messi coach mm-hmm. to be the coach of Barcelona or Argentina
0: Indeed other um, options because there is always the risk that Sampaoli is going to say no um, and to that end or seemingly to that end the Alpha Tapia and Tinelli are also hoping to be able to meet Diego Simeone while they're in Spain Diego Simeone of course as we've mentioned a couple of times in the last couple of weeks oh it just popped up on our television that Marcelo Tinelli is not travelling to Spain so it's going to be Tapia and someone else presumably. we have it muted of course so they can't hear but it's just been announced while we were talking that Tinelli is not off to Spain Um, but um the the idea, presumably, given that, uh, as we mentioned a couple of times in the last couple of weeks, uh, Simeone has, has said, I don't want to manage Argentina at this stage in my career. I would like to wait until towards the end of my career when I've learned more and when I sort of feel I've earned it a bit more. Um, so, their idea, presumably, is going to be to. I mean, I, uh, Peter and I were, were talking before recording, and I sort of conjectured that it, it, it's likely to be something like sort of saying to Simeone, Look, we know you don't want the job, but if you could just go into the press and make some noises about maybe being prepared to take it now after speaking to us, it might help us to keep Sampaoli's wage demands down or something, maybe, if he knows that there's a potential someone else we could ask him. That's got to be the most likely explanation, hasn't it, given that they know they're going to get turned down flat by him.
2: I feel like sometimes, though, with the, with the AFA, with how they go about selecting managers, they, the initial thing is they, they want to be linked with all those names. And they, they put out there that, oh, these are our... These are our targets because we had the same really with ba- before Bowser, when Martino resigned. Initially, he got the same list of managers really that we had now in um, Paolo Simeone, Pochettino, Bielsa, and even back then, eight months ago, it was like, okay, well, he's out of the equation. He's out of the equation. He doesn't want to come. He's not. Willing, <laughs> he's not willing to come. What? Oh, okay, brilliant. Bowser's free because he. We do have to pay Sao Paulo or anything and okay, right, we'll go for him. And we're back, sort of back in the situation now only with the difference that Sao Paulo now seems sort of open to the possibility. But I, I still think they're like talking about Simeone or if they're talking about anyone else in Europe like yes. there, they there's a zero chance or very, very slim chance of being able to get any of them now. Sao Paulo seems to be the only what you'd consider high profile Argentine coach. yeah. Yet seems in the least bit possible at this S- point.
0: Simeone has, has said that he's not interested for the moment uh, Pochettino hasn't really made many noises that I've heard either way, I'm going to try and talk over these beeping horns, I apologise to listeners uh, if they're bothered about the background music Pochettino, as far as I'm aware, hasn't made too many noises yeah, I think in the way that he's ruinously the... expensive to buy out of his purse. Yeah, exactly, which,
2: which immediately I think puts them out, I mean the Sampaoli apart from the fact that he seems open to it on a personal level, certainly one of the massive factors in it is the financial side of things. Mm. It's a top-class manager in Europe who has a clause in his contract because anyone else, yeah. as you say, is going to be too expensive for the AFA, and you know, I'm sure we'll get on to the financial side of things, but um, that attracts them to San Pauli as much as anything else, the, the money.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um. So, if he were to say no, then the most realistic other contenders you'd be looking back at the local environment, no? And so, I guess the main uh, names that are getting mentioned at the moment, or that might be mentioned, are inevitably almost regardless of how well the teams are doing. But as it happens, both of them at the moment are doing fairly well. You've got the managers of River and Boca, Marcelo Gallardo, Guillermo Barros Schelotto. Um, Although Boca are top of the league, I suspect that Boca fans would be slightly happier to let Equiloto go than River fans would be to let Gachardo go. Yeah, I
2: think Argentina fans would be a lot happier with uh, Gachardo than they would be with mm. um, Barras
0: One would think. And then also, you've got sort of so maybe a couple of other names Diego Coca, possibly from Racing. Jorge Almiron, presumably, would be a fairly popular choice, the current Lanús manager. Um, Any others?
2: The only two that I've really seen mentioned much in the press is Cachado and Almirón. Mm. The only like, apart from just like you were saying, like linking the, the big clubs' managers just because they're the grandest. But in terms of specific people, as being Cachado and Almirón. Um,
1: For me, as a personal opinion, it's if it's not San Paolo because Sevilla doesn't want or they are hard to to uh, deal, to make a negoci- negotiation or. or whatever and Sao finally can't write to the national team for me it's him or Gallardo because uh, Gallardo has also said that he won't or he is not uh, in his mind to, to, to be the coach of Argentina right now but he has a contract that expires on, uh, by the end of the year which is not a lot of time to go uh, it's not that like happened with Balsa that he had to interrupt his duty at Sao Paulo and go and, and, and be the coach of national team, Argentina national team. And uh, he's here in Argentina and the Tapia, Tinelli, Verón, um, uh, or whatever, or Angelici can go to the Ezeiza or the River Stadium and, and, and talk directly, directly with him and try to convince him. In this case, they have to go to Spain and talk with Sampaoli, uh, Simeone to go to England and talk with uh, which means to go they are specifically to talk and then when they are back
0: they have no other possibility. They can talk. Although, sorry, I'm going to interrupt because uh, I've been checking Twitter. And again, as we mentioned a few uh, minutes ago, this Tinelli not going after all thing oh. has literally come out Well, we've been talking and I've just seen a couple of tweets from Alejandro Casar is the editor of uh, La Nacion Sports actually says that um, uh, Tapia is going on his own. Tinelli apparently has been told by the doctor not to travel. He's suffering from stress or something. Um, I didn't and, know. <laughs> and when Tapia's in Spain, he's only going to meet with Lionel Messi. He's not going to meet Sampaoli or Simeone. Well, I think Which puts a different complexion on the reasons for the visit, possibly.
2: But I think it also might have something to do with Sinesha... The statement they released this morning, threatening legal well, action.
1: Well, this thing—the only thing that does is to uh, put the suspicious thing that that people say that Messi is the one who <laughs> who builds the team and, and and chooses the coach to to put things like that uh, more real because.
0: Uh, but well, it makes it, sense to for, for the president of the AFA to try and have a relationship with Messi, right? And before Tapia was was voted as president of the AFA there's no real reason that Messi would even have heard of him you know the president of Barraco Central possible. Um, I'm sure that Messi knows who Daniela Angelisi is he's probably met him a couple of times they, he, he might have some idea you know what Angelisi is thinking he almost definitely uh, given what a media player Tinelli is Messi almost certainly is is, is aware of and, um, and knows something of, of Tinelli who is the secretary of national teams still at the moment remember Um and, and of various other figures um, in the AFA but Tapia will be an unknown quantity to him so I, I guess it kind of makes sense from uh, the AFA's commercial point of view as well as the footballing side it makes sense for the president of the AFA and arguably the country's greatest ever player to, to, have, um, to have a good relationship and to actually get to know each other to an extent um, but, and, I mean, you're quite right. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of people in the press. It, it's sort of an open goal for them now to go, oh, well, why is he meeting Messi when he's not meeting anybody else? And particularly
2: because meetings with Messi and people from the after, normally it's normally Messi and Mascherano, which... Well, it might...
0: Maybe it will be. Maybe it, Mascherano will turn and up. And, but, and if yeah. it
2: is, then it even more so go into overdrive of, and oh, here we go, it's Claude the friend. de amigos. And, yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Um so we will see what happens and obviously this is a developing story because it's changing even while we're recording for which we well I don't apologise actually because it's not our fault we had to record at some point um, but yeah so we, we will endeavour to give you updates as they come in during the course of this episode um, but yeah in short it's going to be Jorge Sampaoli or bust for the effort by well, look at that.
1: well sorry Messi knows Gallardo because they played uh, against when they were in the World Cup club Club World Cup in 2015 yep. so he also knows Gachardo at least he, he met with him so uh, for me it still is uh, if not if it's not somebody is is the most uh, possible uh, coach to be right now is is Gachardo because I, of that
0: if, if, if I was Marcelo Gachardo then the only sort of thing that I the only reason that I can think about not taking the Argentina job when you know that In the middle of this year or the end of this year, you're going to be looking for another job anyway because you know he's going to feel like his cycle in River is complete. Rodolfo D'Onofrio is is up for re election as River President towards the end of the year. If he doesn't win re election, maybe the new guy will want to bring in a new coach anyway. Although it'd be kind of a brave choice to sack Gashardo if he say if he did have a contract running through to 2019 or something, which of course he doesn't. Um, And so, the only reason if I was Marcelo that that I could really think of to to be hesitant about taking the Argentina job would be well, if you take it and then it doesn't go amazingly, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot for the other jobs that you want to take in the future. If if, if you're going to get a big offer from Europe or whatever, as it the way it is at the moment, the way his River uh, managerial career has gone, uh, added on to the fact that he also, you know, let's not forget, won a title uh, in Uruguay with Nacional before joining River as manager. Um, it's it, it sort of it's it's nicely on the way to. An offer from maybe not from obviously one of the biggest clubs in Europe just yet, but certainly a club of, say, Sevilla's standing, um, similar to where Sao Paulo is at the moment, to potentially give him the kind of job that he could then be a jump up into the, the elite. Um, and that could become completely buggered up if he were to take Argentina and they didn't gel with him, especially, you know, let's not also forget that without Lionel Messi for the first three games in charge or the first three competitive games in charge if uh, this were to see them not qualify for the World Cup that, that could seriously taint his CV yeah I mean he
2: was on um, Fox radio I think last night mm-hmm. or night before and he, he ruled himself out and said I've got a co- I'm with River until the end of the year Yeah, <clears throat> and I've gave, given them my word and that's that I think like Andres said it would be very difficult if it came to the point where he was the AFRA's number one choice mm. they were coming to River and saying we want to speak to Gachado here's what we're going to offer you, we want you as our... Yeah. Leader. Then things. Then he might have to change his mind. But I do think that if São Paulo isn't an option, then you, have, then you are looking at, well, okay, well, we need to think of a plan B. There aren't that many realistic options. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of options, unfortunately, where the effort might go down. But for me, when you look at... Financially, you're going to have to look domestically. Hmm realistically and Gachal is one of the few managers in Argentina I think who would have the respect of the players and even though he hasn't managed outside Argentina because of his playing career and, and what he has done with River so far I think at least in that respect the players would say um, yeah okay this guy
0: well would they because some of them don't always recognise former national team playing legends as we heard last week with uh, Gabriel Batistuta giving an interview saying I uh, walked into the to the dressing room at half time of one of the recent games and, and half of them didn't recognise me, they didn't know who I was. <laughs> uh, which was But I mean I, I felt sorry for it as much yeah. as anything. You can kinda of think, well hang on a second, how you know, if you're playing for Argentina, how do you not recognise your country's second top goal scorer, who, who was your country's top goal scorer this time last year.
2: But uh, for example I think take Gasado out there and say, Okay, they didn't get San Pauli, Gishado says no, and they hire Almiron. Hmm. Is Messi? No, of course. Yeah, there's, there's much less. Are they going to look at him and oh, okay, yeah, it's a great. This is the best choice for to lead the country mm. to the World Cup and win a World Cup. I don't think they would, and I think you'd probably end up. And I, I mean, none of us know what the relation with Bowser is, but from the outside and the friends club and everything else, you, you rarely got the impression that Bowser was this figure of authority on, in the squad who. It was his way or the highway. Yeah. Um, and I, I would worry that the vast majority of domestic managers, you'd end up just in the same situation.
0: Indeed. Um, let us pretend just for a few minutes uh, that Jorge Sampaoli is definitely getting the job. I stress once more just in case you're joining us late or I don't know how you would join a podcast late but maybe you left us playing and went to the toilet and it turned out to last longer than you were expecting or something like that. <laughs> uh, we're half an hour in now so if that is the case then um, go to a doctor please. Um, but we have had a couple of questions. I don't normally jump there to listeners' questions um, during the episode itself as such but uh, this time I'm going to so that we don't sort of break up and jump back to themes we've already covered and whatnot. Uh, Ursus Aptos and... Um, who's the other person who's asked a very similar question uh, Tariq Alhaida have both asked about squad Ursus asks uh, what do you think uh, what will Sampaoli's first Argentina squad look like and Tariq Alhaida as I said asked something very similar he says I'm wondering which players might fit Sampaoli's system you'd probably prefer to wait until there's something concrete don't worry about that we're, we're in speculation <laughs> just, just for this week um La Nation published something on their website today which was a sort of I don't know how much of it there are no um hypotheticals and or you know clauses um of of uh, depending on if certain things happen in this so I'm not sure whether this is a very well sourced piece or whether it's simply making a lot of assumptions um but Christian Grosso of La Nación is quite convinced, first of all, and I think most interestingly, that Mauro Icardi uh, could finally be up for a call-up, that, that Sampaoli wouldn't have anything against that. I think that perhaps there's something in his, sort of, Sampaoli's way of, of dealing with uh, certain squad disciplinary issues that perhaps the Chilean national team had. I'm thinking particularly during the Copa America in 2015, when Arturo Vidal um, almost did he actually kill somebody or did he almost (laughs) kill somebody I can't remember he he crashed his car at high speed and yeah Um, and there was something else as well there were uh, was that during the World Cup that there were a couple of players disciplined for something oh no I'm thinking of Borgi now uh, years ago Um, but yeah so certainly um, São Paulo's uh, record on on divisive issues or potentially divisive issues within the squad might lead Icardi to think that he's he's able to get a, a call up La seems to think that he's going to go with a 3-3-3-1 or 3-3-1-3 um, similar to, to how he did against Chile in the sort of first sort of year year and a half of his reign which would be fascinating but do Argentina have the defenders to do that?
2: Not if you look at that article
0: I mean he, they, they reckon Lana, uh, that um, that Mascherano would be playing as a libero or ste- stepping out from the back so a Libero in the old fashioned sense which is an idea I like a lot because as I've said many times it. Masturano playing centre-back tends to play a lot more positively on the ball than Masturano when he's playing in midfield and it allows you to get a proper passer into midfield. Um, but would so that's def- an interesting idea. But I think it will,
1: that would be possible with the four defender formation, mm. not with three. As yeah, so a libero and two stoppers because well, he's, not, he's not fast like he was before and, and with only two other, other defenders. I I don't see it possible. Well,
0: you want two other centre backs, though, don't you? And then, I mean, the alternative there is is going for a back five with wing backs. Mm I guess it it depends how wide you play them. Um, But I I would agree with what you're saying that given the identity of the other defenders, although maybe, you know, if if you're bringing in a manager who's going to have the balls to to say to if the Club de Amigos, as as Peter puts it, the Friends Club, um, actually does exist, it's something that the media mention a lot. It's something that the players always say, no, no such thing. And really, from outside, you can call it. oh yeah, well, it clearly does. But does it, actually? Or I do think... If it does exist, then Sampaoli would appear to be the kind of manager who would have the balls to come in and say, no, no more of this. Um, Equally, Grosso, the the, uh, author of this article, seems to think, and once again, I don't know what evidence he's got for it, but that Lavezzi would be... Not exactly completely out of the equation, but much further down the pecking order than he currently is. So that is one suggestion um, that, if true, and if it turns out to be true, uh, would appear to to back up the idea that Sampagli is not going to listen to what the players want necessarily for their mates.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the speculation at the moment, given A, that Sampagli isn't the manager yet, and B, not he's never mentioned anything about how he would mm. theoretically line up Argentina. It seems yeah. It seems to be a lot of people just saying it would be Argentina with a manager that most people would be in favour of and here are the changes this is a formation that he has previously used on a number of occasions and here's a number of the players that Balsa didn't select but who a lot of the supporters wanted so you see okay he's going to call up Picardi uh, Leandro Paredes is going to be one of the options as a central midfield is going to play at the bank and it's like I'm not sure how much of this is uh,
0: well I would be very
2: sceptical of this is a, a, a clear idea of this is what um is going to do because it seems completely unfounded and more just no. this is a projection of what the supporters would like to see Sampaoli do and therefore we're going to write it as exactly. As I it.
0: mean, like I said, this article is all it's written as if either the journalist or someone he knows has talked to either Sampaoli or someone that Sampaoli knows very well about it. He, he even sort of at one point the article says Sampaoli wants to bring into his uh, technical team the, the brackets a bit for context being if he does take charge of Argentina um, a name uh, who's played for the selection uh, for the national team, sorry, like somebody like Pablo Aymar, but Aymar's obviously now uh, with Eduardo Codet um, as uh, his his coaching group, so an alternative would be Gabriel Milito, who's very good friends with, with Messi from that time at Barcelona maybe Claudio Caniggio or the completely unknown Gabriel Batistuta um, but You know, like I say, the article is is writing this as as if it's complete fact, and actually, at no point do they say uh, where this information's coming from. So whether it is complete fact or whether it's journalistic speculation, um, I'm not sure. And that makes it very difficult to say. And also, as you say, Peter, it's kind of, should we really bother to place too much store in it when we don't even know for certain whether Sampaoli is going and to be is, uh, the Another
1: detail which is that we are four months to go to the
0: next official match in yeah. which there will be three points uh, to play. That's the, the, one thing. I think we can probably assume that Sampaoli's first Argentina squad, if he takes charge in time, if he takes charge at all, um, would include Messi because it's going to be for the friendly against Brazil in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, which, even though it perhaps makes sense to name a squad without Messi there to try and get the team playing without him ahead of competitive games, presumably won't happen because that way they have to get paid much less for the friendly than they do if Messi's playing. And so, once again, we're met with the stupidity of modern football. Um, but I think it's
2: advantageous. Whoever takes over, whether yeah. it be San Paolo, they do have a game prior to um, the crucial world qualifier. I mean, I think. Yeah. That's in in one in a slight defensive of so you would say that he was very much thrown in. Um, when yeah, he t-
0: was appointed. I think a couple of weeks before um, Argentina Uruguay, wasn't he? If I remember rightly.
2: Yeah, yeah. Not that long. I mean, that was definitely his first game. So I mean, he didn't have a great deal of time, and obviously was straight in at the deep yeah. end.
0: The question then does become whether Argent whether this clause uh, in San Paolo's contract lowering the release clause to what the AFA might actually be able to pay. Um, does come into effect Either at the end of May Or at the end of June Like I say I can't remember Can either of you?
2: I think it's June Just cause of because f- I think month. that's when I, s- I saw his contract Expires in June 2018 Yeah So it makes sense That it would be like One year prior If
0: it's at the end of June It could in fact be A bit of a problem Because uh, The friendly between Argentina and Brazil in Melbourne Is on the 9th of June so, <laughs> so They would need to have him In place for that And um, Do you is it worth paying an extra 6 million euros in order to have in charged for a friendly against Brazil? Well,
2: I would wager they wouldn't be able to. Probably.
0: <laughs> but, but that, I don't know because this is of course speculation but
1: does for example have to do with his contract is only for the under 20 national team or is with AFA because if, if it's with AFA they could tell there, Hey oh, oh,
0: When is the when, the when does the World You're Cup out say Claudio there. Could be Boss of Argentina For one game I see
1: The only coach That has a contract With the AFA right now Yeah uh, With the national team Is him But I don't know When the, when the World Cup Takes place It's uh,
2: in, It starts in May The Under-20 World okay, it's going to be May to
0: June I think it's known
2: yeah. some... May I think Argentina's First game I think it's on May 20th The Under-20 World
0: Cup Is Which is the first game Of the tournament From Oh doesn't pop up on Google straight away. Give me one second while I load Wikipedia. Um, oh, that's the general one, not for the new one. Because Give me one more seconds.
1: Because uh, if if there is a space for him to, to at least to, to be the coach for one friendly, yeah. as say like intern.
0: It's it's in Korea, so you can get down to Australia fairly quickly. Compared with from here, I mean, uh, and it's from the twentieth of May to the eleventh yeah. of June. So almost certainly, Claudio Alba is going to be free by the 9th of June, <laughs> because let's face it, Argentina ain't going to reach the final, <laughs> but, um, as we will mention later. Because we have also had a question about the under twenty World Cup. For the moment, however, unless anybody's got anything further to add on this issue, I just uh, think
2: that would be so fitting of the absolute mess that the Apera is, is that they fire Balser months in advance of being able to sort someone out and even by a friendly at the end in June they have to end up putting a interim coach in yeah. prior to an important world qualifier. But, I mean, hopefully that won't be the game.
0: Indeed. Um, so what we're going to do now is, is take a half-time break, refill some glasses, um, and when we come back we will discuss what was another very interesting weekend of league action which even included... Independiente scoring some goals. Yes, in the plural, and there were lots of them as well, so don't go away. we go, we had some some high scoring and some not so high scoring uh, games this weekend. I don't think I had any nil-nils, just looking down there. No, we have one nil-nil. I will get to it in a second because I'm now going to give you all of the results. On Friday evening, Estudiantes de la Plata got a 4-1 away win over Aldo Sibi. Um, Also on Friday, Colón beat Godoy Cruz 1-0 in Santa Fe and Rosario Central beat Atlético Tucumán 2-1 in Rosario Um, On Saturday, Newell's old boys kept up their title challenge with a gritty 1-0 win away to Arsenal de Sarandí Maxi Rodriguez once again scoring the only goal of the game San Lorenzo got a 1-0 home win over Sarmiento Uh, Atlético de Rafaela and Huracán drew 1-1 Tacheres beat Lanús 3-1 on Saturday evening. And then on Sunday, we have Banfield 2 Belgrano 0. Um, I think it was Sunday that Racing Tigre was called off, wasn't it? Because, yeah, that's right, it had been raining for a full day and a half by that point. It uh, was called off midway through the first half with the score at 1-1 um, because the pitch was too waterlogged to continue playing. Patronato, if you're sitting down... Sorry, then remain sitting down. And if you're a regular listener, I'm going to just wait for a second here and give you a chance to find a seat before I read out this scoreline. Okay. I hope that you're well and truly anchored to the ground now. Uh, Patronato nil, Independiente five. Yep, you can carry on now as you were. San Martin de San Juan nil, Union de Santa Fe nil. River Plate got a 2 nil home win over Quilmes. Velez Sarsfield lost at home to Boca Juniors. 3 1 and on Monday evening, the Fenci Justicia and Olimpo drew 1 1 in Florencio Barrena, and Gimnasia and Tempele drew 1 1 in La Plata. Um, we're going to start with the match, which I suspect is the reason that Peter magically <laughs> found time to be here this week. Um, regular listeners will, will be aware that um, actually, the, the, I think I said last week, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, That it's a shame. Uh, that, that Peter doesn't have time to, to come on a little more often because I was fascinated by the reasons behind Independiente's struggle for goal scoring form with Gabriel Milito in charge it was abundantly obvious that the main reason was just that they weren't really attacking at all um, but since Ariel Holand's come in they've, they're playing much more attractive football they're infinitely more interesting to watch you don't fall asleep during their games anymore But they were still struggling. And last week, Ariel Orlan um, ordered extra finishing training for what I've read, at least, was for the whole squad. Um, (laughs) Which which would certainly make sense. I suspect it was probably for the midfielders and and strikers. Um, And it paid off.
2: Yeah, in a big way, yeah. Um, I I mean, you kind of got the impression, the fact that Orlan's obviously had three games now, all at home. And, as you and said, that's,
0: that's two in the league and one in the um, Sudamericana. Yeah, and three,
2: three draws, two, two nil nil, and a one one. But as you said, it was a lot more <clears throat> progressive, a mm. lot easier on the eye, and you kind of sensed <laughs> either this is either it's going to go very badly, and soon the crowd are going to turn if it yeah. keeps it up this way, or something's going to click at some point, and someone's <laughs> going <gotta> to get twatted, <laughs> and they're going to actually start scoring some goals. and Thankfully for Independiente, the latter happened um, in Paraná. Um, That's not to say that a corner's been turned by any means. I think it's still very early days. Um, There's certainly some promising signs with how they're playing um, and some of the uh, changes to the formation and the addition to the squad. But I think um, there's certainly some mitigating factors in terms of it's not too much of a surprise that the result came away from Amishinae
0: there.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think Independiente actually got the best away record in the Primera. Um,
0: I'll tell you if that's true in a second. I think I read that. Second best. To, no. uh, oh, although actually yeah, by points per game uh, yeah. it's, it's better but of course they've played two fewer yeah. uh, matches than, than Boca have so they've got four points fewer but yeah they've got mm-hmm. 70.83 yeah. points um, Sorry, 70.83% of available points compared with Bocca's 70, exactly.
2: And I don't think that's too much of a surprise in the, the sort of legacy of Melito, which mm-hmm. was very much to play on the counter. Um, away from home was obviously a lot more possible. And I think where Melito had most success when he first started was playing that way with using Rigoni as the outlet. Um, and that was very much the weapon against Paginato. Um, and I think the the real key factor was that Rigani scored a wonderful goal in the fir- in the opening sort of five minutes or so. Yeah,
0: it was uh, three minutes in. You know. Yeah, and I mean, then it was, it was brilliant. That's not Peter being an independent; they felt it was biased. It was a it was a very good goal.
2: And it, and it came from that. I mean, winning the ball back in midfield and Avidi with one ball, releasing him and using his pace to get in behind. He's had a lot, he's had a lot to do, but it was on the counter, and I think that changed the game because then obviously. Patronato weren't able at home to say, "Okay, well, we're still just going to put 11 men behind the ball and wait for you to break us down."
0: Yeah.
2: As it opened up, and I think in they were able to push forward and take more advantage. And the, the key is going to come for Oland when they come go back to Avicii. And he has to face teams who are saying yeah. from kickoff. It's the onus is on you to attack.
0: It's still promising, though. I mean, yeah, for sure, yeah. because. It's precisely the kind of game that you sort of felt like they would have been drawing nil-nil after creating 16 clear-cut chances uh, a couple of weeks ago even. Um, and also, I mean, the second goal didn't come until 40 minutes in. Ezequiel Barco scored. He, we were talking actually just last week about how it kind of seemed like Olam was trying to save Barco not, not to put too much pressure on him by starting him in every game like Minito was starting to mm-hmm. towards the end of last year. Um, and was bringing him off the bench a lot and he actually played uh, did he play the whole 90 minutes he certainly started yeah
2: um, uh, on I, uh, yeah I think he might have done actually yeah
0: um, and he played very well as well he, I wouldn't say he was man of the match but he, he put in a very decent performance yeah
2: so, he was excellent and I think the
0: and yeah he did play the whole 90 minutes
2: Yeah, I think the um, the turning point actually because he started against Alianza Lima on um, Wednesday Tuesday or Wednesday uh-huh. and was excellent playing from the left of the midfield coming inside again probably the, one of the best players on the pitch and I think uh, he came out afterwards and said something along the lines of "Olan has found the position for me mm. which is again promising that a players come out and said that so early on that bent like to the credit to the coach Yeah, um, and I think he, he he put himself in the starting lineup against Padranto with his performance in the Sudamericana um, and it, it's a promising sign that there's some of these young players that are coming through, given the Independiente's youth system hasn't been particularly productive um, in recent years. Um, but the likes of Barco coming in and in, in, in defence Bustos and Franco have looked really good since they come in this season as well.
0: Yeah, um, and also it was achieved against 11 men He scored five goals, uh, which arguably shouldn't have been <laughs> uh, because Patronato were were very lucky not to have one man sent off, and arguably, quite fortunate not to have had two men sent off by the end of the game. Um, Comas with uh, it was Comas who elbowed uh, Gigliotti in the in the face, and the ref only booked him for it, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh no, that was the one that the ref didn't didn't hand out like, a card at all. <laughs> yeah, he throwing. Yeah. yeah. Throw-in. yeah. Um, the elbow got nothing. Then. Yeah, and and then there was the absolutely horrendous tackle from, I think, from Damian Lemos towards the end of the game. Uh, with the score still at three 0 at that point, uh, which was uh, the clearest red card that you'll see, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, given that you could sort of understand how the ref had failed to spot the elbow because he was because of the angle he was looking at it at, but this one was a flying tackle which landed right on the player's foot and um, was clearly two-footed and studs up and all the rest of it, and he only got booked for it. So it was an interesting performance um, from Juan uh, Pablo Pompei, the referee, but all the same. Congratulations, Peter.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, as I said, I mean, we'll see uh, going forward how that pans out.
0: It was the first time Independiente Had scored five goals mm. in any competition and in any stadium uh, since that five-four win away to Boca in I think twenty twelve, twenty thirteen, maybe. Uh, and it was apparently only the second time ever that Patronato have conceded five at home. Yeah, I mean pretty they're decent. normally
2: pretty decent in Yeah
1: You mean the match in which in the winter beat Boca five-four?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in La Bombonera, which I think was twenty twelve. Yeah, it was. But I thought like
2: they. Well, it might I was... just be
0: in the league then, or, or first time
2: away. Yeah, I thought there was a win over Quilmes between them, like a sort of five two. Uh, or like it five, might have been three. So that case, seven, it, like. it might
0: have been the first time they've scored away from home. Yeah, five it was. Um, there, there was certainly one tweet that I saw which said it was the second time ever. The patronato have conceded five goals in their own stadium The first, the previous one being against I think it was Boca Unidos um, When they were both in the second division um, Two or three years ago So congratulations on a little piece of history Um, And on being the first member of the big five That we discussed this week Um, Elsewhere, oh that also meant As I've tweeted just after full time That Independiente in the space of a single match Went from being the second lowest scoring team In the division To the 19th lowest scoring team in the division so that's uh, <laughs> impressive in a way as well uh, and we'll see whether they can keep it up in future weeks. Elsewhere for the Big Five we had a 1-0 win for San Lorenzo over Sarmiento, which was a fairly run of the mill kind of game it was decided by Ernesto Otigosa penalty. Um, it was on a very very wet pitch and San Lorenzo sort of had a lot of Dominance of possession Particularly in the second half Sort of held Sarmiento at arm's length I got the impression during that one That San Lorenzo were really Concentrating a little more On um, a game that they're playing tonight uh, In just over an hour From now So keep listening at the end of the the podcast And I'll give you the final score um, In the Copa Libertadores Which is a must win for them Because they lost the first two Of course against Atletico Paranaense While we were recording A week or two ago And against Flamengo tonight they're away to Universidad Católica in Chile um, and yeah I mean I thought that that was just the weekend it was like yeah we, we gotta win over this, this lot and keep up the title push um, and don't do anything more than we need to so not much to say about that and I see the review got something to add it was a classic Ortigosa penalty yeah yes. fake to one side smashed it into the opposite corner um, I insist of course well for
1: Mariano to be here and to analyze the game his yeah. team, but I think that it uh, uh, is key for to to work so hard to win a match, it means uh, that uh, Belucci is not at their level, at his level, or at least the level or performance he used to have uh, last year, and players like cautelucho perhaps he wasn't in the starting line-up uh, quite often, but uh, now, for example, Aguirre is, is, uh, like, uh, has the need to put Bautista Bautista Marini who is a he's a decent player a good yeah. player a young kid but uh, a, a a good uh, uh, kid from the from the uh, minor divisions but uh, he's still like for example that uh, could happen with Barco that his appearances are now often but he needed for uh, uh, something from the team to to share with him because yeah. uh, he was promising but with the team with. His added to, the, to a structure is different than to be on on his own. Well, sim- similar to Malenik that has has called uh, a pair of calls against Tigre, mm-hmm. previous uh, previous week, uh, and well, he's he's good, but but with a player that he's is not anymore. Like for example, Cauteruccio who was who had more experience. Now he has to be there more, more, yeah. and well, I think that that's, that is something something that San Lorenzo is feeling, and and that makes the team to to win, but to work hard to win. Yeah,
0: and obviously Merlini has, has a luxury that, that Barco maybe doesn't have of, of playing a team who are actually challenging for the title and, and have got a slightly more established way of playing and, and, and base to build on, whereas obviously Independiente are reinventing themselves to an extent at present, um, after appointing a manager who's really the diametric opposite of the previous manager. Um, going on down the big five uh, wrestling against uh, Tigres as we say um, started off, so if you were watching this then you might have wondered what was going on exactly because um, on the TV the, the rain wasn't really visible we can all assure you it was wet in Buenos Aires over the weekend um, Saturday in particular uh, but I actually tweeted a photograph um, from outside that I took from, from my bathroom window um, the street just down here uh, that the, my the living room and bathroom look out onto um, was underwater completely. The the pavement was underwater as well. The guys in the restaurant across the road had to bring in their blackboard because otherwise it was going to get washed away. Um, so that was the conditions. Those were the conditions, sorry, that uh, led to the Tigre being called off. But we predicted that it was going to have goals after the previous week where rassing uh, won. Tigre beat San Lorenzo 4 3 and Racing beat um, Quilmes 3 minutes. 2. And sure enough, it was 1 1 after three minutes. Um, Diego Gonzalez scoring for Racing and Sebastián Rincon equalising with a fine finish after a horrendous um, clock up in Racing's defence, if I remember right. And it was Orion, wasn't it? Yeah, clearance straight so that one was a very promising start and then sort of got washed out for the next 20 minutes as the rain made it increasingly hard for the game to actually get going. That's going to the remaining, uh, it's called off 24 minutes in, so 90 minus 24 is 66, so the remaining 66 minutes of that game uh, will be played Wednesday next week. But the, the, the initial thing there
1: was that Argañaras, the, the, the referee, mm-hmm. decided not to play anymore and that, to suspend it and, and this is it. Not, to start, not to wait for 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, yeah. but to just to call it off and, and
2: go away. Mm.
0: Indeed. Um, I think he must have realised that the drainage just wasn't going to yeah. get rid of it. I mean, it wasn't stopping raining either. Yeah, that's
2: the thing. I mean, it wasn't a break in the rain. So
0: Yeah, just about an hour or so after that one, um, River played Quilmes on a pitch that was dry enough to play, fortunately. Um, I'm guessing the Monumental has a slightly better drainage system than the Cilindro, but also... It's it clearly not been raining quite as hard yes. in mean, Núñez as it had in Ave Um And it's not quite as low-lying as well, is it? Núñez is, that was, uh, by Buenos Aires standards, <laughs> slightly higher. If you ever come here, you'll be aware that the city is, is as flat as a pancake, but um, there are bumps, and the Monumental, I think, is on one of them. Um, anyway... Oh, by, that t-
1: by that time, it wasn't uh, constant. rain was...
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, it was much patchier. Um, but River got a good 2-0 win at home to Quilmes. last time Quilmes beat River in the Monumental was nine, uh, March 1983. Before I was born. A year before I was born. It was also 11 years before Marcelo Gallardo made his playing debut for River, and now he's managing them. Um, so Quilmes' chances of, of a win were... <laughs> not not very high even at kickoff. Um, and River ended up having to be patient and two goals from Lucas Alario the first of which arguably shouldn't have stood uh, for a foul uh, by Alario just as he, he ran on to the final ball uh, but which did stand in the end um, more than Alario though I mean it, obviously this this takes him up to 34 goals in 66 appearances or something now for River which is ridiculous um, but also N- Nacho Fernandez was superb and yet another decent performance from Gonzalo Martinez yes. is he's right saying set both of them up didn't he? yes no certainly no they no, 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 easy both oh you're right sorry yeah, Martinez set both of them up <coughs> the previous week yeah. and, um, against yes. God's Chris. not his best uh,
1: appearance but uh, he appear- appears now to not to make those decisions that make people uh, like like uh, Whistle at him or well, something like well, that. that like, him in the face. Like uh, being like b- quite selfish. And in this time, mm-hmm. even with not not being so dis- decisive, uh, he was more uh, uh, looking at the t- at the teammate and, yeah. and passing more the ball. Uh,
0: but Fernandez yes. was yes. superb. Um, he, he was the the engine room for River. I, I thought
1: it. But had is a uh, pair of opportunities, goal chances with. Federico Andrada, who is a river player, yeah. but uh, on at Quilmes. Quilmes had who to paid. pay River, yeah. was it 50,000 pesos? pesos
0: or yes. f- yeah, 50,000 yes. pesos before Three the game was dollars, play. more or less. Sounds a pathetically small amount when you put it like that, doesn't it? For something that. Uh, is it even allowed in the Premier League? It's no. not, is it? No. Nothing. For so. any amount of money. I mean, yeah. it, it is a bit ridiculous, but he certainly uh, didn't play like somebody. Um, who was being told by the club who owned him to take it easy on them. Indeed, generally speaking, you don't see that really. You've got the guy on the first weekend of the season for San Martino who scored twice against San Lorenzo, who's online. i um, forgot his name. Um, but... Montaña. Well done, yes, I Montaña. and yeah, so Andrade played well and, and made something of a point, I guess, to to his owners, having did he score one or two against Racing the previous weekend? Two, two wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and the header, yeah. Um but yeah, and then Kinless sort of. I thought Kinless set themselves out very intelligently to, to start with and, and did a great job of frustrating River for the first 70 minutes. And then up pops Alaria with an yeah, intelligent mean, sort of tug of the shirt and vow to get beyond the defender to stab it in. But they did
2: everything they, they could at that. Yeah. Against just a far better decided. I think mean, after the previous week where they squandered a two goal lead against 10 men, mm. Rassi. Um, you sort of feared the worst against the Monumental and I think there was a response to that and they were as you said intelligent in their pressing and, and how they denied River um, but you did sort of feel C- can they do this for 90 minutes and uh, obviously eventually they yes, that,
1: that's the I think the normal thing uh, uh, for a team to that spends a lot of energy in blocking and pressing and not playing awfully or or, or, or bad but uh, uh, they just even having those opportunities, I I, I said with uh, Federico Andrada, a a, a a very clear opportunity that uh, Batasha in this uh, time saved very well. Uh, they couldn't stand uh, that uh, rhythm 90 minutes, yeah. and, and with heavy the heavy beach was heavy because of the rain, and that and that also helped for them to be more tired in the second half half, and and we are finally with two uh, accurate. Uh, could could break the, the score because until the 20th minute, the, the the draw was certainty was like well perhaps River can't break the the the, the, the defense and and uh, and score a goal but as a second chance consecutive chance uh, uh, Marcelo Chardon included Rodrigo Mora for 20 30 minutes. Yeah. Of, and he was the one
0: for Brody. yeah decisive. I mean, yeah. Just, I mean not as no, that's right he was the one who set up the first he well, crossed for Gerrissi to head it down pre-assisted yes, yeah, yes. I, I believe our American cousins would say Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first
2: one but yeah. well, I mean maybe you've covered this as River fans but what do you put down to the improvement in River post right well, the new year because obviously I, the only real change is Rojas in midfield
0: yeah well he, he certainly has, has added uh, mobility and and mm. I, I think a degree of, of intelligence, but also he's kind of freed up Nacho Fernandez to get a bit further forward because previously you had River playing a magic rectangle of, of Fernandez and Poncio at the base yeah, of midfield, Martinez and. Um, D'Alessandro. And, or... and, sorry, thank you. Yeah, D'Alessandro um, just ahead of them, and then and Alario normally up front. And uh, <whistles> what you have now is uh, the same kind of rough formation on starting out but with Rojas yeah, alongside yeah. Poncio, um Fernandez and Andreosi just behind the strike uh, sorry, Fernandez and, and Martinez just behind the strikers. But the way that it's actually working on the pitch now is that it, it, it seems like it's it was already very fluid before, and um, maybe the opposition sort of works out to an extent how to play against it, who to mark, how to press. And the the switch now of of having Fernandez rather than Dalessandro who I guess just because he's about 10 years younger, is that bit more mobile and that little bit quicker, albeit perhaps not quite as good at you know picking out passes and, and delivering mm-hmm. free kicks and whatnot, obviously, as Andres D'Alessandro is. Um, it's just more fluid. And so when they're playing, yeah, sure, you're aware it's a 4-4-2, 4-2-2-2, however you want to describe it. But actually on the pitch, it very much looks like you've got Poncio at the base of midfield, Alario up front, and then in between sort of four players who are interchanging positions and are so fluid that it's it's really difficult to pick them up um I think that that's that's helped enormously yeah I mean I'm I've
2: watched River as much as intently as you two but certainly feel though Rojas has given a far greater balance to the to the midfield and whether that's directly impacted on um Piti Martinez suddenly finding some Mm. form of um I mean equality's always been there, which is, is what's so thing. frustrating but he's found a consistency so far
0: I, I think somebody's had a word with Martinez as well though. I, I, I think that because he's as Andres said a few minutes ago he, he's being far less selfish he's, he's not embarking on these I mean yeah he still does it once or twice in a game but you can forgive it once or twice in a game because that's about the frequency that maybe it's going to come off and it's going to surprise your opponents mm-hmm. whereas previously and it wasn't just last year it was you know ever since he'd signed for River yeah, from yeah. Oracan, um, it was like almost every time he got the ball, opponents knew, right, he's going to try and take it past the first man and then try and take it past the second man and then the third and the fourth and probably lose it at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, he's getting it and immediately knows already where a teammate is, sometimes he offloads it, sometimes he takes it around one man and then looks for the pass and there's a lot more variety to it as a result and it, it makes him a lot harder to pick up, which with the talent that everybody already knew he had, when you add to that a bit of a brain and, and some team ethos um, it, it makes him a far better player
1: but that has an explanation an explanation and it has directly to do with the mobility that mm-hmm. we have been talking which is that he changed the side from left to right and when he was at the, at, yeah, that's at true the left he admitted that when he was at the left he had to change his, the side in which he was playing from the right foot to the left mm-hmm. left and just or, or uh, uh, try to shoot, make a, a, a shot shoot at goal or uh, to uh, make a cross. And now he can make one two play uh, place with another players with teammates and that that like open a, a different profile of, of play. Yeah, which is I think well. Lashardo noticed that. Perhaps he talked about that also, and uh, he played. He talked with his teammates. This is minor. But he talked with his teammates, with the psychologist, and they, uh, he, the, the his teammates, uh, told him, "Well, we won't insult you anymore. We will try to support you because he received some insults from the from his teammates when he was selfish and tried to surprised. shoot a shoot at goal." Uh, yes, perhaps we didn't notice that at, on TV, but uh, yeah. uh, and and well, that makes made him be. be Free and, and try to play more consistently, yeah. and it, that is key for the team.
0: Yeah, and also, I mean, like like I said already, Nacho Fernandes on Sunday was was brilliant, and I and I thought that um, when he was playing last year in the, in the base of midfield, he was good. He was spraying the passes about. He was connecting the play well, but it was it was kind of a waste because we saw when he was at Hibernian how good he is going forward how, how, how good he can be and, and how mobile he is and, and how much he gets around um, and he's playing a much more similar role now for for River as well um, the other thing that I really like about him is that he's sort of willowy I guess would be, would be the word he, he, from, from, from the neck down he looks like he could be you or me Peter, you know, like his <laughs> legs I have a friend who, um, who, who, who works uh, on River's technical stuff and uh, went round to his house to watch a, a game during the summer break, the extended summer break, so one of the, the friendlies um, that River were playing away he th- this guy didn't travel to, so he invited me round to his to watch it, and we were talking, and he said, yeah, Nacho Fernandez is like, his legs are like yours, Sam, and uh, for the benefit of listeners, I'm extremely skinny, and since he said it, every time that they show a close-up of Nacho Fernandez on the television, I realised, yeah, actually, that does look, he looks like me wearing shorts. Um, he doesn't look like a footballer with sort of Thick, built up thighs And you know Somebody who's been on the, the exercise bike Or the treadmill For several hours a day Or whatever To, to build himself up And I kind of like that In a play You don't <laughs> see it very often You've got some Johan Cruyff and, and Nacho Fernandez, So that's something I okay. admire
1: That's an important question Or an interesting question To make Whether How can he stand The, the physical mm. uh, Treatment of other players That perhaps are more uh, Have more power Or Yeah and how
0: he, had, yeah, or he's, he perhaps, in he avoids he's, that. he's fairly tall as well. He's not got a particularly low centre of gravity like, say, Messi or Maradona. Obviously, Messi and Maradona have both got heavier set legs than him as well. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much that actually affects uh, one's ability to, to take a knock. But, yeah, I mean, certainly he, he looks, as I say, lightweight. Um, and, yeah, yeah, he's, he's clearly used to, to taking it. Um, moving on. Uh, from our forensic um, detailing of Nacho Fernandez's ties uh, <laughs> to Boca Juniors' 3 1 win away to Venice Sarsfield, probably the least surprising victory um, of the weekend. Well, no, actually, the least surprising victory of the weekend was probably River Beating Kielmess at home, since that always happens. Um, but the second least surprising victory of the weekend, let's say, was the league leaders getting an away win over the team in 23rd or 24th, who were bloody awful. Vélez um, did make Boca work for it. To an extent, but not really. It was like one nil up halfway through the second, halfway through the first half. And
2: could it could have be been two nil one up. much earlier as well. To be yeah. honest,
0: yeah, yeah, two nil up with a header from Gino Peruzzi from about ten yards out, which eight minutes into the second half, I just thought, well, actually, it was a really good goal. It was made and scored by Peruzzi because he sort of won the ball, offloaded it to, was it Centurion who, who crossed it in and then won the header yeah, as well. On. But you're going to think, why is the right-back able to pick the ball up in that position, offload it to the winger and then win a header in the penalty box like that to power it home?
2: Yeah. I think um, it tells you something about control. We're not the talking about Danny Alves
0: here. <laughs> it, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, he has things
1: like Danny Alves and mistakes like he did he made, made against shares but yeah. uh, it, I think he, that, that talks of, about a team that has plays, it's yes. a team of plays that they don't, don't need to play brilliantly or, or, or fluently to to win the matches and con, to convince because I think yeah. that that match against Vélez, of course thinking about Vélez as a not very uh, so the team no they're awful <laughs> uh, anyway uh, and now they play against Patronato so I think that this match against Pérez if, uh, if if there could have been any, any doubts now there are there not any I, for yeah. me it's, it's, it's closer to a, a definition of the of the of the title the because uh, they, they have five points away to Nules and now they play against Patronato the Bombonera Patronato received five goals which doesn't mean anything for Ar- Argentine football because it's no logical. Uh, but uh, anyway, that uh, I think that that proved that Boca, uh, in terms of the uh, in the players, the, the the individual players, that I are they, I think they, they are the best. In, in including now, one is better because some some uh, matches ago he yeah. wasn't in this,
0: in the pitch. Pavon scored the third goal. Uh, Maxi Romero actually pulled one back for Vélez uh, with eight minutes to go. Uh, so you know Pabón Paun almost are... immediately with... Yes. Th- that was uh, the 25-yarder, wasn't it? Am uh, I imagining this? Oh, Pabón?
2: Yeah. No, Pabón was that... Oh, no, I'm thinking of
0: one of Independiente's goals. Yeah, yeah. 25 yeah. yards. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <clears> that was Rodrigo. That was yeah.
2: Rodrigo. Yeah. Um, no, Pabón was the one that Fabián Asman made a bit of a hash yeah. of.
0: That's right,
1: yeah. And anyway... <laughs> With, there was a video of the of, Centu- of Silva and Pavon in the bathroom of the hotel smoking, and I and Boca will 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 see whether the, he finds they find uh, S- Silva and Pavon yes. for that. Uh, they were at 1 a.m. smoking in the hotel. But uh, apart from that, uh, as 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 the way they are playing, and, and you, uh, especially Centurion Pavon and Benedetto, I think that. That is enough for Boca to, to be the, of course, natural, not candidates. I, I think that this decided uh, mostly the, the, the
2: title.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I we just think they've th-
2: got the squad to be able to cope with yeah. it. Like I said, yeah. even when I was on it before, you think, like, even against Vélez, when they had uh, most teams <coughs> missing Gagel, and then these replacements, Bastián Pérez, two very good players, injured mm-hmm. for a long time, would struggle. And, you know, they bring in Barrios. Mm-hmm thought Pablo Perez was excellent and there was no real drop in it <clears throat> they was still you know the, the front three that you mentioned still gave them an incredible outlet at pace to, to hit Perez and they, they punished them.
0: that's the thing it, it, it's interesting because we've talked a lot about how Boca frequently seem to not actually sort of impress that much with their performances and yet they're supremely effective it, unfortunately these kind of stats I don't really see them get collected much for um, for Argentina I guess maybe I don't know whether who scored for instance Peter would, would would do it or not I don't look on them often enough maybe I should um, but it wouldn't at all surprise me if Boca are the, the most efficient at converting chances into goals in the league um, given that they sort of often you sort of watch them and you think how, how exactly are they winning this and yet they're so good at grinding out results even when they don't appear to be the better team on the pitch that it can't be coincidence and it can't be luck because it happens too frequently and um, but one thing that they definitely do have is two. Having jokingly um, and disparagingly compared uh, Gino Peruzzi to Dani Alves just a few minutes ago, one thing that they do have is, is two fullbacks who get forward and do really, really good work. And you know, similar to what I said a couple of weeks ago about Argentina against Chile, when I said one thing that they could do if Basso were to remain in charge, which of course now we know he's not, is just to get the fullbacks to run beyond the line of the midfield. It wouldn't solve all of Argentina's problems under Balsa but it would have made them look a hell of a lot more like they had some idea what they were doing and you know what could do that Fred yeah, uh, Fabra on the left is, yeah, is yeah. a brilliant attacking fullback and Gino Peruzzi is not the best attacking fullback in the world but he knows what he can do and he's very good at picking his moments as he did against Veles yeah, yeah. uh, to, to win the ball yeah, feed it wide and I think then the thing then
2: about Fabra's translate seems to translate more often than not into assists and goals mm. Parisi's end product probably isn't there but what he does do is bomb forward and exactly. draw people away and,
0: and, and give other players an option <clears throat> yeah.
2: um, you
0: know he, he's, he's backing up Centurion on the right wing or whoever happens to be to be over on that side of the pitch at that point um, and that means that you know a lot of the time okay they get found out for instance against Tacheres a couple of weeks ago um, when when Ginyasu and I think it was heal, wasn't it alongside him yes. just Dominated the midfield and, and controlled the centre and, and, and based that and you know a lot of the time if you have a team with a very clear idea of how they're playing and a very clear idea of how to go about it that'll win games but the truth is that in, in Argentina especially in this 30 team Primera there's a very significant number of teams arguably a majority who don't look at it like that um, and who do struggle to control the centre in the same way and and, and that's you know Boca superb at capitalising on that by using the wide men because The two best players in the back line are are Peruzzi and Fabra, and arguably the two best players uh, in the attack are Centurion Mm -hmm. and Pavón. the the two wide men in the three, rather than Benedetto, who certainly is a good finisher, um, and and has proved a lot of people wrong, including I I I think I said at the beginning of the season that I'd be interested to see how well he did after coming back from Mexico as well, um, because he'd only previously played here for Arsenal. but, uh, you know, it is, it's clearly sort of the finisher for the moves that the other two create. Um, and so that's kind of, as you say, along with the options that they have in midfield, good players, but frequently a sort of lack of I- actually a clear idea about how that midfield's constructed. It doesn't seem to matter that much in most games um, because they're so good at exploiting the flanks. Um So well done Bocker. And that's covered the big five We should this week talk about Newell's old boys Because last week neither myself nor Andres nor Dan Had managed to watch Newell's game And so we didn't have a lot to say about them This week I believe Peter that you managed to catch At least bits of it So we can give something of an opinion And they are second or third in the table
2: Um,
0: They're second in the table So What what do we make of of Newell's
2: Uh, I mean they're another Another team really, you'd, you'd look at their efficiency rather than um, anything too dazzling. Not a team that, you watch every, that you'd watch you watch every week and be, a, a be in awe of <clears throat> of how they're playing. I think what um, Diego Sela should take a, a great deal of credit for, given that when he took over, Newell's were looking more like a relegation side than a, mm-hmm. a, a side challenging for the title, is he made them <clears throat> very organised. They don't concede many goals at all. Um, they have,
0: in fact... I'm just looking now more equally They've got the Second best de- Third best defence In the no. Primera uh, they yeah. only Conceded 13 goals In 19 They don't games. score much But they don't Receive any yeah, Exactly They don't
2: score many But I think what Well you
0: say they Don't score many They've only scored Four fewer than River Newells have scored 27 River no, That's scored considerably 30. Less than Boca Isn't it Yeah Boca have scored 44 Which yes. is the the, the the Most in the league by a fair Eight more than San Lorenzo Are the second top scorers
2: Right but, I mean, considering they're, like, challenging Bokka, the closest yeah. rivals to Bok for the title, you can see, like, the difference in how they've gone about yeah, exactly, their yeah. business. Um, and I think <clears throat> what they've done is been very organised. They know exactly the, s- the system is more or less the same every week. Um, and then there's enough quality in the final third to nick those games 1-0, 2-1 and you know mm. you, uh, you say earlier Maxi Rodriguez again this one was a slightly more contentious goal but he's still got the quality there to, to do that the same with Skokoko
0: so was it Ma- I, I did say yeah. you're quite right when I was reading down the scores um, that Maxi Rodriguez scored the only goal of the game for the second week in a row but was it Maxi Rodriguez actually? Mm, I mean I can tell from I um, think. You're right. I, I forgot that
1: several replays. I think it was Skokko what I heard was that it was awarded to Maxi Rodriguez when Skoko scored, the referee had already awarded the goal, even though that it didn't uh, pass the line. But
0: uh, what happened, for the benefit of listeners who've not seen it, is that Maxi took a free kick, which came off the well, the crossbar, but almost very close to the angle um, of the goalkeeper's. No, left but also previously had taken
2: a massive deflection to get on. It yeah, you're quite
0: right. Sorry, yeah, he took it straight into the wall. It flipped up, hit the crossbar, uh, bounced when it bounced it was on the line or, or, yeah, or just the from the over. defending team's point of view the right side of the line um, but then it bounced back up again and spun so much that at some point the goalkeeper had to claw it away and I think that's where if it crossed the line it crossed the line he ended up clawing it away and Skokov was there and smashed it straight in um, I don't think it was actually I think it was Scott Cole's goal rather than Maxis. but if the ref's given it to Maxi, then
2: yeah everything I've seen has given it to Maxi. but after several replays I was still looking at it thinking I don't no, know no. how anyone could be clear that that across the line before it was smashed into the, the net
0: the important thing of course from the point of view of, of dispelling um, any conspiracy theories or whatever is it was definitely a goal because Scott Gore made sure of that before anybody had actually stopped playing so from that point of view at least Newell's did win the game fair and square even though the referee arguably awarded the goal he shouldn't have awarded yeah. um, but, but yeah. they weren't very
2: impressive in it, and I mean considering there's not many occasions this season where you can look at Arsenal and say oh they're a bit unlucky to lose because <laughs> they've been absolutely appalling yeah. but on this occasion you did look at the, on the balance of the game and say oh you know what <laughs> that's the last kind of the last thing they needed in the position they're in they're now in the, de- in the relegation zone in the descenso. Indeed. Um, and arguably could have deserved at least a, at least a point from uh, that
0: I was about to say that Arsenal have recorded one win from the last seven games but in fact they've recorded all one season. win all season yeah, yeah. Um, it just happens to have been in their last seven games. It was, in fact, six games ago. Uh, their last seven results have been giving Arsenal's score first without recourse to who was playing at home or away. Uh, have been 0-2 against Defensive Justicia, 2-1 against Vélez. That was the win. And then 2-4 against Patronato, 1-2 against Atlético de Rafaela, 1-2 against Alba nil 0-2 against Estudiantes, and 0-1 against Newell's old boys. Um,
2: Worst defence in the Primera as well Um, yes by a
0: distance and I think also I'm right in saying the worst attack (laughs) as well um they have conceded 36 goals which is a clear 6 more than the second worst defence which is Quiles and have scored oh no they're not the the worst attack sorry they've scored 14 which is astonishingly 4 more than Belgrano have managed to a second bottom who've scored only 10 um but they are the worst at getting points. They're still the only team yet to break double figures. They've got eight points. Yeah, and they
2: look in real trouble. When I mean, you consider
0: yeah the
2: results this weekend with Olimpo drawing meant they were like, before they were in the sort of, there was five teams in the descents sort because of, they yeah. were tied with limbo and now they're on their, in their own they're right.
0: In, yeah, they're, they're one point behind Olimpo, but it has to be said it's difficult to see where they might make it up, given that Olympo aren't. Well, actually, aren't anywhere near as dreadful as Arsenal. They've got almost three times as many points. Yeah, no, and no, I
2: think the difference is that even in Sarandí, you don't watch Arsenal and think, "Oh, well, at home at least they pick up points because they don't even do that." Yeah. The difference with Olimpo is, at least in Bahia Blanca, they're still fairly difficult team to beat.
0: Yeah, with um, apologies to Santi, um, um, who of course was once, when he was still living here, uh, was, was our man in Sarandí. Uh, it, it's not easy for any podcast to find an actual real life Arsenal fan and we were very lucky as an English language podcast to have one um, but our, our tamed Arsenal fan with apologies to him who I think now still occasionally listens from where he's now living in Australia um, would it be poetic justice if Arsenal were to get relegated with a grandona as the manager <laughs>
2: well,
0: yeah. the answer is yes right <laughs> yes but the fact is that uh, it was a better team when he was here so
1: if you want to save Arsenal you must come back <laughs> indeed
2: uh, Someone really should have told Arsenal though, that Don Julio is dead and they didn't have to hire um, Umberto <laughs> because um you know that uh, he would be very low on my list if in their podi- in their position at the end of 2016. Yeah. So who's going to who's so going to come they in? They and, could not find anybody else to take oh, yeah, jobs, I mean, right? yeah. maybe.
0: Uh, it's entirely possible. Um, other noteworthy results over the weekend uh, god we've been going for 42 minutes just on this half already so let's whip through really quickly Estudiantes got a very very good win um, away to Aldo CB 4-1 uh, I think I read somewhere that all four of Estudiantes' goals came from um, dead balls so I'm not sure whether that's actually true it might have been me misreading something but I, I think I, I remember
1: swear. two of them from Aguirre Baray the Uruguay uh, yeah. uh, and yes they were on direct.
0: Uh, Tacheres against Lanús was a very entertaining game. It was decent football from both sides, um, but Tacheres, I think, certainly deserved a 3 1, maybe slightly generous, but um, certainly they, they were the better side. And so Lanús, um, having got that 4 2 win in the Classic or the previous week against Belgrano, uh, Once again, not looking particularly like reigning champions, which is an interesting um, position for them to be in. At the same time, having lost 4-2 in their Clásico against Lanús the previous weekend, Banfield got right back to winning ways with a 2-0 win over Belgrano, Dario Spitanic, and an own goal from Christian Christian, Romero. That was hilarious, Um, that goal. I didn't see
2: it. a, A cross came in and he obviously heard the shout from the keeper, so he just turned his back to it. Yeah. As the keeper kind of dived behind him <laughs> and it hit him on the back of the head <laughs> and into the net. Into the I mean, absolutely dreadful. Um, and that was uh, Sebastian Mendes' first game as Belgrano coach as well. So it was a uh, nice uh, intro.
0: Indeed. So they don't get the new manager bounce uh, from that. And then the 2-1-1 draws on Monday evening, which I did not catch, but I was kind of surprised, I'll be honest. Um, to see that Gimnasia and Tempele drew because Mm. Gimnasia are a significantly better team than Tempele and I suspect they should have won that one but anyway um, that's that for the moment Uh, listeners questions, that's what we've not done just yet, we've answered a couple of them already of course but the others are as follows Abidul Islam says, what is the Superliga and what will be the future of the Juveniles in Argentina, the youth team, so the Superliga first of all, is um, Argentina's attempt at establishing, whenever something like this happens, right? So they did the same thing with the Copa Argentina. They always shy away from comparing it with what's in place in England. So the Copa Argentina wasn't Argentina's version of the FA Cup, it was Argentina's version of the Copa del Rey. Um, and the Superliga is Argentina's version of La Liga rather than of the Premier League, even though that's obviously the more the, the more uh, influential and, and obvious comparison to make. Um, Basically it, it, it's the Primera División is going to start to organise itself rather than being organised by the AFA and it's going to deal with uh, it's going to receive the money I think at least it's going to receive the money from the TV rights and, and the, all the rest of it. So it's not going to change very much in terms of what you actually watch um, it's just going to mean that the clubs I guess by not having the money held back by, by the AFA first the clubs are going to be a little bit more financially independent and a bit more free to swing their own weight about uh, but it's an organisational thing more than anything. Future of Argentine. But that does
2: tie, the money thing does tie into what we were talking about in the first place, with the money the huge amount of money coming for the of league course, system Of course, yeah, you're quite right. Yes. So the afa
0: don't have that to spend on the coach necessarily because <clears throat> yeah. it's gonna be you would think most of it is going to be going to the Superliga. Um future of Argentine youth. We've also had another question also <laughs> from middle um who asked what's our analysis about the upcoming under 20 world cup with argentina so we can kind of tie those together so future of the national teams at youth level and analysis of the under 20 world cup they kind of go together because the AFA haven't really been very serious um or very clear about what they expect at youth level for several years now really i mean stretching back to when Grandona was still alive and in charge right and, Andres how, t- how do you read it as, as an Argentine?
1: Yes it's really er, it's everything is immense because well, Bausa is the only as I said the only coach that has a, a contract with, with the AFA right now as Bausa was uh, sacked and uh, yes we don't know whether the coach the new coach which, which we don't know whether he will be Paoli, Achardo, or whatever uh, uh, whether they, they must uh, agree whether they, they that coach will be will talk with the, the under twenty national team, which is coach, which is whether whether they will organize things in common or not. So the under twenty national team, I think it's of course uh, we have to wait until the the, the the major national team coaches is hired because uh, sometimes they must. Uh, well, talked and, uh, and meet and, and, and do things in common, but at this point we don't know whether that will happen or not. As the the main national team is not uh, has no coach, has, yeah. has still no coach. So the the future for for London training is the uh, Korea uh, World Cup, but we don't know. We the only thing we, we know is that Ubeda is in charge, and and. Well, uh, we don't know whether uh, the team will be and, and and that stuff because we have to remember that they they qualified to the, to the World Cup because Brazil could not defeat Colombia, who were already eliminated from the Sudamericano. Uh, so it's all all everything is a big question mark. Uh, I think.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't think you can expect too much from. From the World Cup, given their performance in the Sudamericano, and I think the preliminary squad seen from from what I saw was more or less the same squad that was in the Sudamericano, with the except with the addition of uh, Ezekiel Ponce was added, mm-hmm. which, which is a good addition. But I mean, I, as I say, I don't know how much more you can expect from them at, at the World Cup. No, um, so. The, the group
0: uh, at the World Cup is um, that Argentina have been drawn into is Group A along with the host South Korea um, the other teams in that group are Guinea and England which I've just had a look to find out the difference, uh, the time difference between South Korea and Buenos Aires and annoyingly Argentina-England which is the first match in that group uh, is going to be taking place at half past four in the morning Buenos Aires time first
2: match of the tournament as well
0: is it? Oh, you're okay. quite right. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. Yeah, because they're in the host group. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's slightly irritating. If it had been a few hours later, I might like, have got a burner it, for it. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. about an hour earlier. Is it Saturday or Sunday it. or or a weekday. It's on the twentieth of May, which means it's going to be uh, oh. a Saturday. Oh. So yeah. I think, if anything, that makes it more difficult for me personally to justify staying up to it because my girlfriend's going to be aware of what time I have to get up the next day um, and will be angry with me. No, I shame. mean, unfortunately. But at the same time, it's probably going to be quite a bad game. I'm assuming that England under 20s are about as, at least as bad as Argentina under 20s, but yeah, that might um, not be fair.
2: Unfortunately, I think at present, the only thing you could say about Argentine youth football is it. <laughs> things are quite bleak. I yeah. mean, when you just look at the results, from sort of under 17s onwards in recent and, and years, have perhaps been more importantly, the, the lack jump.
0: of a really cohesive sort of plan to bring these players through. Yeah, oh, yeah, like that's the problem. A few players, like we've mentioned um, Ezequiel Barcos at Independiente, we mentioned, I don't know how old actually, Bartista Aldo Martinez is, but he's what, well. 18, 17, 18, something like that? Yes, I think. Um, and yeah, Lautaro Martinez, but they're bringing far more brought through, you know, at club level than they are at national team level, and there's not really very much in terms of a collective philosophy at the national team level to, to bring more of these kids through. Um, so the future for the youth teams in Argentina, less promising than it was 10 or 15 years ago.
2: I think the, the problem the the AFA seemed, or the previously, we'll have to wait and see what, how the new AFA deal with it, but the other the previously seemed fairly reluctant to um, allow anyone to change it, because to Martino's credit, when he came yeah. in, he wanted to have control over each level um, and have been much more hands-on with the Olympics for example and yeah, yeah. we saw what happened there um, so we, we don't know whether they give the new manager whoever it ends up yeah. being okay and we also want your input on under-17s under-20s yes
1: Sampoli has 11, 12 assistants that work with him I they're
0: all going to be joining him if he takes the Argentina job but yeah I mean obviously at least a few of them are going
1: to be yes but we don't know whether if Sampaoli is finally the coach whether he will or like Peter said with Martino to have his own and the yeah. 20 national team coach so we we'll have to wait
2: You're also worth mentioning that in Chile San Pauli was said to have not had much interest in the youth in the future, so, right. so I don't know where that I mean the AFA are not exactly known for their planning so I don't think they would, that would enter into their thoughts but it's, it's a new a piece <laughs> what
0: are you talking about there so yeah. they and they, they thought thought that will enter
2: into that. their thoughts of someone who will actually see a project but perhaps that's a that's a negative, perhaps, in St. Paul.
0: Yeah. Uh, Abidal also asks, what are your predictions about the coach appointment for the AFA who's going to become the next one? Hopefully, uh, we gave you a decent enough answer to that question during the first half hour or so of the podcast, so we won't go over it now again. Ahmed W. Almudaris asks, why does Carlos Bilardo hate St. Pauli so much? He said that he would emigrate to Uruguay if St. Pauli was appointed. Um... Does anybody want to have a go and answer this, Andres? Any ideas? It's Really, I don't. I, I don't. is um, a very kind of contrary. Yes, sort it's, of it's kind of,
1: of uh, He open, uh, he's, uh, He has he has his opinion because of, of the taste of of what he thinks about people because of, of perhaps. A, a, I know his, his head, his voice, or, or because he shouts or because he yeah. he he has uh, his ideas that are revolutionary and he's more old.
0: I also wonder, kind of, with Bilardo as well. I don't get the same sense with Menotti. It's not to say that I don't think that Menotti can be a bit of a dick sometimes. But with Bilardo, I think there might actually genuinely be a little bit of him sort of looking at it and going, oh, this guy might actually win the World Cup with them. And I wouldn't really like that because that would sort of make me seem a bit less successful all of a sudden. Uh, and I sort of wonder when there's just that little bit of spite in there as well. That might just be because I have a very low opinion of Carlos Bilardo as a person. But.
2: Well, he's offered himself forward as a. As he did, a, yes, <laughs> he did.
0: I'm not sure. I hope he wasn't being entirely serious.
2: So maybe it's just that he's competition. Um, but also, it's what Sampaoli is someone who splits opinion yes. to some extent anyway. There's a lot of people who are not great admirers of him.
0: Right. As I hinted earlier, yeah. yeah. Yes, um, for example, he, he when he was uh, asked
1: about the national team, he didn't say, no, I won't talk about that because there is a coach and uh, like yeah. he, some kind of. Well, yes, I don't know.
0: Like, he played with that. and, yeah. and he, he instead chose to say, in spite of having not had a job as a manager for 13 years and being very much yesterday's man, if you'll forgive me the phrase, but you know, he, he peeped 30 years ago, um, saying, oh yeah, I, I'll take the job if they offer it to me. <laughs> really? Why on earth would they offer it to you? But anyway. Uh, Chris Murtak, who is going to be making our mystical predictions in a few minutes' time, says, Emmanuel Cecchini... How long can he realistically stay with Banfield if he keeps putting in superb displays? I would say a little while longer yet, but well done for noticing. Definitely, I'd, I'd agree that he's been playing decently.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I actually added him in um, in an article at the start of the season of like for who scored in terms of players to to look out for. Yeah, or well, maybe it was the second half of the season because I thought with once Evitty had left Banfield, mm-hmm. the onus was going to be on him to really step forward. Um, and I think there's already been some interest in him. and I think if it's not a European club, Banfield are fairly ripe for a lot of the grandes, you yeah. know, to come calling. And I think I wouldn't be that surprised at the end of the season if he's at that level. If no one from Europe comes in, he's the target for River, for Boga, in you know, Independiente, whoever. But um, yeah, I can't see him at Banfield for that much longer.
1: It could be in, perhaps in a, in a local national team, if he, if there were any,
0: uh, he could be there perhaps and, and show something. But It wouldn't be a big shock, would it? Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, No coincidence that Peter shows up after Independiente with 5-0. <laughs> he also says, I can understand the Bouser sacking, but have the AFA panicked? Is there a lack of stability? does the new manager get four games and if not qualifying for the World Cup, then he gets sacked? Um, I think to... I'm going to try and answer these quickly because we've been recording for bloody ages now. Um, after panicking, the established kind of uh, stamps on this from the new AFA board, even before they were voted in, was that it was already known that they didn't want somebody who they hadn't appointed themselves um, to, to be managing the team, that, that they were... Angelisi in particular was, was one of the more vocal people against the FIFA normalisation committee giving Bowser the length of contract that they gave him because it was already known that they weren't the normalisation committee weren't going to be in charge of the AFA for that length of time and therefore it was thought that they didn't have the right to offer him that length of contract um, at the same time obviously I suspect that if Argentina had won every game so far under Bowser 4-0 he'd probably still be in a job and they would have said yeah fair enough carry on doing what you're doing um, as it was they, they've sort of seen a, t- a chance to put their own stamp on it um, lack of stability yes absolutely nothing more really to add there you're quite right there is and will the new manager whoever he turns out to be get four games and then get sacked if he doesn't qualify for the World Cup uh, the rumour is that the AFA want to give Sampaoli a contract that's going to run up to the end of the of the World Cup to come and no longer because they're assuming that he's going to get them qualified for it but then if they go out in the group stage say of the World Cup and that's seen as a big failure they don't want to be hostage to a signature on a piece of paper saying well you've got to keep paying him another whatever 2 million dollars for the next year of work up to the next Copa America or whatever um, so we will see it, uh, on that last one but probably not um, those are all the questions via Twitter however we have had one via email which actually we were sent two weeks ago for Handapod 250 when Jonathan Wilson was with us and I completely forgot to, or rather I didn't forget to read it out, I came across it um, only after we recorded because I didn't have my email open while we were recording, Uh, it's from David Ellingham and after a couple of comments which I have passed on to Mr. Wilson, um, he asks uh, English Dan recently (laughs) wrote an article, English Dan of course was on two weeks ago, he's not now, recently wrote an article in which the headline stated, "Meet, meet the angels with dirty faces, Argentina's best ever forward line, would you agree with this statement? And if not, who would you consider to be Argentina's best ever forward line? Drum roll. Um, I don't know. We've not sort of had the benefit of watching the vast majority of them. I mean, even, even Andres, who's lived in Argentina for quite a bit longer than me and Peter have, uh, certainly for a much longer percentage of his life than me and Peter have, um, can't really answer it because obviously you read, especially in Argentina, I mean, this is the other thing, you can't answer it for any national team. Argentina is a particularly difficult one because the golden age of Argentine football is, as, as Jonathan uh, mentions in his book, is, is sort of held up to be the 1950s, 1940s um, kind of era. We don't have any film remaining of these players. And so there's always a little bit of sort of, well, were they as good as, you know, Borro and, some... and, and yes. all of these other great journalists used no, to they're... say... Or, so what, So we can only really go for, I guess, the best players that we've seen. Andres, do you want to give an opinion on that? No, this?
1: no, well, because the best team I have watched and I actually watched was in the 1991, the, the Argentina winning the Copa America in Chile
0: mm-hmm. uh, with Basile as a coach. And the forward line for that being? There. The forward line? The, the, the but It was De Batistuta
1: Batista. and, uh, and Batistuta scored most of most goals, I think it was Canicia. Yeah,
0: that sounds right. Uh, Wait, was Maradona playing in 1991? No, no, it was on his bat, wasn't he was, it? Of course it was, yeah.
1: He was called by Vasilev for in uh-huh. 1994 uh, playoff against St.
0: That's right, yeah. So, um, so that would be the, the closest we can come to an answer, I'm afraid, there, David, because you know we wouldn't want to speculate on things we've not seen, unless unless you want to try speculating, Peter.
2: No, I mean, the same position. <laughs> it's, 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 it's easy to...
1: It's easy to say Kempes, for example, or... or uh, as a as a tremendous forward because he he maybe didn't win the World Cup but uh, if you talk about forties fifties so of course I won not yeah. I could not I, I guess the
2: thing is that as well like the, with it, with the uh, the Angels of face you're looking like a collective whereas with the the not in the nineties you're mainly looking at like you said Batistuta right. as a as a single incredible forward. Um, likewise in more recent history you're looking more at just like messy and a supporting cast yeah. um, and in that case you are looking at a genuine sort of collective of of, of attackers so may, maybe that plays into its advantage but that's not me that's, as, as you say that's not based on anything other than just what you read
0: indeed um, I'm trying to think if we have any more emails no we have not I think that's all of the, um, the emails that we've had at least for the moment well in the last month Uh, if you do want to ask the questions by email uh, then you're more than welcome to but do just bear in mind that i might forget about it so i apologize in advance if that happens the next music that you hear will be mystic um prediction theme music and the predictions that you hear just after it will be mystic chris's mystic Chris's predictions for this weekend he's going for Huracán versus Arsenal is a draw Lanús to beat San Martin at home Uh, Newell's Old Boys and Estudiantes to draw in Rosario Tacheres to get an away win over Belgrano in the Clásico Cordobese at the weekend Independiente and Atlético de Rafaela he's going for an Independiente victory no, they finally started scoring goals again. Olimpo against Meles he thinks will be a draw. Sarmiento to beat Racing in Junín. That's interesting. Oh,
2: Although Racing's away record is pretty poor. I mean, I know they came back against Kilimanjaro the other quite week, right. but it's yeah, not the best.
0: Um, he's going for Banfield to get an away win over Godoy Cruz, which I think is going to be an interesting game. I'm, yeah, I wouldn't want to have to call that one, I must say. Atletico Tucumán to draw at home to San Lorenzo. Uh, both teams have been in Copa Li- or will have been in Copa Libertadores um, actually in midweek, it's worth pointing out. And let's go to Coman, uh last night lost two one away to Jorge Wilsterman. We forgot to mention that actually, and um Godoy Cruz got a two-one win away to Libertad of Paraguay, uh with a stoppage time winner, two goals in fact from Alexis Gonzalez Um so, let's go talk about San Lorenzo to draw. Obviously, San Lorenzo, as I say, are playing. Uh, they're kicking off in about 15 minutes' time, so i will give you the full-time score of that if you keep listening until the end of the theme tune. Uh, Boca Juniors to beat Patronato at home. Colón to get an away win over Quilmes. Tigre versus River. He's going for a draw. Union against Defensa y Justicia. He's going for a Defensa y win. He thinks that Tempele will beat Rosario Central at home. And that Gymnasia will get a second consecutive draw at home to Alba City. Lots of draws there, as Chris himself mentions uh, in the email at the end, before his sign-off. Any particularly interesting calls you think though, guys?
1: Particular for me is, uh, I think Huracan will
0: win Yeah, given how bad. Sure. Although Huracan can be quite slap rushing their finishing. Interesting that he's going for River's uh, current winning streak to end as well with a draw away. But
1: they play tomorrow against Melgar for Copa Libertadores
2: yeah. so he Quite right. could be... Yeah, I mean, it's difficult at the moment because I think all six... Is it six uh, in the Copa Libertadores? Yeah. All six. <laughs> is
0: it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's go to the Mangalda Cruz, Lanús, San Lorenzo, River and... It's thank yeah, you so, Yeah.
2: To be honest, yeah. yeah. I, I, the problem oh, who also
0: sorry to interrupt yeah. is yeah, but who also played last night and lost 2-0 at home to Barcelona de Ecuador carry up with Vedon playing. With Sebastian Verón playing.
2: Um yeah, all, I mean all six are just so obviously prioritizing the Libertadores that it makes the predictions quite difficult at the mm. moment because you, you you're not sure well, they might how much are they going to rotate with the next week in mind and, and Yeah, right that's year, another so.
0: thing I mean I before reading these predictions, I've paid absolutely no attention whatsoever to whether any of these same teams have got their um, midweek fixtures yeah, no, uh, next week as well.
2: I think many of them have, so this comes basically in between two in two midweeks back to back. So yeah, well, of course, this-
0: Team Grey have also got midweek action coming up because they've got to complete the game against Racing.
2: So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. but that's not. Oh, exactly yeah, next Wednesday. Yeah,
0: uh, prioritising one competition. Independiente another.
2: playing their game against Decheris, which wasn't played as well on the same Wednesday.
0: Yeah. Ah, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, you're quite right because they've got Independiente. They've got two games in hand. Yeah, uh, away to Decheris and away to Defensa Justicia as regular members, uh, listeners might be able to remember. Um, that's it for this week we apologise for running so long but we hope that listeners will agree um, that circumstances with uh, Edgar Balsa Balser finally being sacked um, have um, justified uh, an extended podcast
2: maybe it's my fault no,
0: <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to blame you Peter um, on top of which of course a lot of you uh, will have an extended weekend over which to enjoy this podcast if you're if you've got a normal long weekend um, if you're in the English speaking world then enjoy it if you are in Argentina and have got a ridiculously long weekend and um, by which time by the time this is online the first day of that weekend will almost have finished already because uh, Argentines get Thursday and Friday off or at least a lot of them do, like Alfred well has.
1: Thursday is uh, op- not op- it's up op- to you,
0: can, you cannot oh you're quite right the yes, company's
1: yeah. owners cannot to give you the my paper. girlfriend's
0: got Thursday off and, and she's oh. Jewish so I don't really think it's fair but uh, anyway since I, <laughs> I have most days off so yeah I don't mind that much um, but yeah if you do have a four day weekend then we hope you're enjoying it if you've got a three day weekend then we hope you're enjoying it and if you're in a country that's just got a normal weekend then enjoy that one as well uh, enjoy any football that you're going to be watching and for now it's goodbye from Peter goodbye thanks for you back from Andres goodbye thank you and from me goodbye One full-time score to report after this uh, week's episode is that San Lorenzo uh, drew 1-1 away to Universidad Católica in Chile. Uh, That means that San Lorenzo have got one point from their first three Copa Libertadores matches, which is not a fantastic start. Um, Also, a small correction to something we said earlier, it turns out that Jorge Sampaoli's uh, Sevilla contract, the release clause, drops to 1.5 million euros As soon as their last La Liga game of the season is finished, so that's the 21st of May, so in fact, um, if the AFA do approach him, and if he accepts, then he would be um, available to manage in that friendly against Brazil.